everyone to a candidate forum featuring the candidates for Elk Grove Mayor. As Jackie said, I'm Paula Lee, a member of the League of Women Voters of Sacramento County, and I'll be the moderator for today's forum. Now, the candidates running for Mayor of Elk Grove in alphabetical order are Steve Lee, Tracy Stafford, and Darren Sewan. Earlier, we drew for speaking order, and so we will begin the opening remarks with the speaking order. When I ask the questions, you'll notice that I rotate who gets the question first. And that's, of course, in fairness. And welcome to the candidates. And thank you very much for agreeing to participate in today's forum. You have agreed you will stick to the issues and talk about yourself rather than reflecting on others in the race. We find that voters and moderators prefer that. We will begin with an opening statement from Darren Sewan. Can you hear me? All right. Well, great. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Really, it's really great to see all of you. Again, Darren Sewan, Vice Mayor of City of Elk Grove. You know, my wife and I have lived in our Elk Grove home now for just uh, just about 18 years now. We've raised three beautiful, great kids. So we definitely made the right decision, babe, to come back to Elk Grove. You know, get away from the long commute of the Bay Area, find affordable, or in our case, more valuable housing options, being in a safe neighborhood and having good schools. Before that, as high school sweethearts, we grew up in South Sacramento, where we attended public schools. I've worked hard for everything I've ever achieved in school, in sports, in life. I got into Cal Poly San Luis Obispo back then because I, I couldn't get into it today, trust me. But I earned a degree in civil engineering and I spent a career working as a licensed civil engineer in land use, transportation, and water resources. Many of the decisions that we make on the dais pertain to transportation and land use. We have a growing traffic issue. We need a job center to balance out our jobs housing imbalance and deal with traffic. I have a plan and I have the right experience, but I can't do it alone and I don't have all the answers. So I am looking for you to help me in this as we go down the path together to solve these issues. At the end of the day, I'm the best qualified candidate to serve as your mayor. I'm endorsed by the Elk Grove Police Officers Association, the Sacramento Firefighters, the rest of the city council, all five planning commissioners, the Elk Grove School Board President, Nancy Chavez Espinoza, Elk Grove School Board members, Bobby St. Allen, thank you for being here, and Chet Madison, CSD Board President, Rich Lozano, CSD Board members, Gil Albiani and Jim Luttrell, Assembly Member Jim Cooper, Senator Richard Pan, State Controller Betty Yee, State Treasurer John Chung, Elk Grove Chamber of Commerce. I look forward to hearing your support. Thank you. and every one of you taking time out of your business schedule to be here. My name is Steve Lee. I'm the sitting mayor 
I was your elected board member, school board member before. I was your elected city council member before. And then I uh, was privileged enough to be the appointed vice mayor, and it is my distinct pleasure to be the elected mayor currently. Forty years ago, I came to this great country as a four-year-old refugee. I earned amnesty. My family earned amnesty in the United States because my father's job was to rescue an American pine set and shot down in Secor Blouse. Many of you may not have heard that because the Secor Blouse was a secret. It was a theater of the Vietnam War. And because of the work that my father did, rescuing American pilots, scraping the brain matter of uh, body parts and brains of these pilots and making sure that they are brought home to America. That's the bond, that's the hard work that I learned from my father. That's the reason why I'm sitting in front of you, standing in front of you today. I truly believe in Outgrowth. My wife and I chose Outgrowth because we wanted a community in which we can raise our two boys. I'm very fortunate my, that my two boys now have are teenagers and are working very hard to make sure that they get into a decent college. I'm no different than each and every one of you. I'm a working person. I make sure that every dollar that's earned uh, goes to the right thing. That's the reason why my commitment to uh, you know, kids and the youth development is so critical and so important. Day to day, I go to juvenile hall and I work as a juvenile hall school counselor. City Hall has a lot of issues in which we work on. But most importantly, it's about the people. It's about the future. That's why I feel that I am the best qualified candidate. I'm your sitting there. I'm the most public service experience. And I'm glad to have this conversation today. Thank you very much. Well, you forget. You look a lot smarter for 17 years. I'm from the Bay Area. I moved here like most residents did, you know, because it was affordable housing, good schools, uh, and the diversity, especially in low crime. Where I grew up was in San Leandro, which is right outside of Oakland. Um, and we were, excuse me, not yet, we were one of the first um, African-American families to move into this community. And I share that because it has a lot to do with who I am as a person. Um, we had to... Basically, it was us representing an entire community. I was told on a regular basis that because my mother was a single mom, because of my ethnicity, because I was a girl, because I didn't have money, we were, um, she was, my mother was ill, she ended up passing away, and we ended up being orphaned, all five of us. And because of that, I was told that I would never be anything, that I need to curb my enthusiasm about life, because the world would only allow me to go so far to be so much in terms of what I could do for my career and what I could achieve just as an individual. And one principal in particular, when she told me that story, I decided that that wasn't gonna be me, that that wasn't going to be true. Especially as I watched so many other people here today that believe those stories and they live those stories, they never achieve. 
So from there, I became the first in my family to earn a college degree. My children are now the first to have gone off to college. My eldest is 30 years old, I'm 52, so I'm not a young thing, but I'm making up. Um, my eldest is 32 and she's in the Navy. Um, my other two are UC Davis and actually um, University of Long Beach. And I'm getting a little flustered, I'm sorry. I am not a politician. Clearly, I'm not a politician. I don't know what you want to hear. All I know is who I am. And I've been an advocate for people my entire life. I'm a governor appointee. I'm a small business owner. I have traveled the world helping people, being the voice for those who could not be heard. And I'm hoping throughout this time you'll be able to hear more about me. Since basically, um, I wasn't able to share the way that I really wanted to. But thank you very much. Sorry. Can't, no, One more time, because you did it for the other two. Exactly. I actually needed it. Thank you. Thank you, Candace. Okay, first question. We're going to start with Garrett soon, and then I'll be uh, rotating with the first question. And the first question is um, a good one, even though I'm not from Elk Grove. This is a, a question everywhere, but I think especially in Elk Grove, which is growing very fast. What are your plans for infrastructure to accommodate this fast growth? Thanks for that question, Paula. So one of the uh, my mantras is having a balanced and sustainable community. And when I say sustainable, I mean being able to accommodate the growth that, that is happening uh, in terms of infrastructure and services. You know. I, I serve on the SACOG board right now, Sacramento Area Council of Governments, which is a regional transportation planning body. And we're predicting 600,000 people coming into the six county region by 2036, 2040 timeframe. So the fact is we are growing. The infrastructure that we have in place, we have to continue to provide for. I've worked professionally in this, in this manner. There are methodologies that we can use to plan for infrastructure. We do a lot of assumptions about household uh, people coming into living in household 2.7 people per household 1.8 people per apartment complex and those kinds of things so there is a science behind it and so we have to ensure that adequate infrastructure is in place we have to ensure that funding for that infrastructure is in place and we need to, to have a sustainable leadership from throughout the region working with regional leaders at the state federal level to ensure the funding for those infrastructure in terms of interchanges road widenings transit those are the things that I care about to ensure that we can keep moving around the city of Elk Grove. Thank you. Steve Lee. Okay, when I moved into the city of Elk Grove, it was barely 70,000 people. That was 20 years ago. I live in Elk Grove and I saw the growth and there were questions in which I raised and which prompt me to run for public office, which is rampant growth, too much congestion. These are all things that come with over above and before, uh, above and 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 aboard, uh, just approval of development projects without putting thought into smart growth. I'm an advocate of smart growth, making sure that we build the roads, making sure that we build the infrastructure before we just go out. What you're seeing here in Elk Grove is a result of just poor planning, and so that's why I'm certain. That's why I stepped up. I want to make sure that people come into the element of planning uh, for a city uh, that's well-rounded, that is uh, in position to make the next leap. And part of the problem in the city of Elk Grove is that many of the conversations happen without engaging the community. Since I've been on the council, I've been an advocate of that. 
I have constantly say, make sure you engage the community, make sure you do more than just a uh, monkey, uh, the uh, survey monkey uh, to the community. You gotta have forums. You gotta make sure that you're talking to residents, individuals that have lived there a long time and have seen the growth go in this direction. That is my concern. That is what I'm pushing for. And I truly believe that yes, if we are building uh, Elk Grove, and the projection is Elk Grove is gonna be 225 in the next five or 10 years. This is alarming to us. There are infrastructure that haven't been in place. That's why I'm a big advocate for building a hospital here in Elk Grove. It's a public, uh, it's a public uh, crisis to not have a, uh, a hospital here. In the case of an emergency, there are people who can't be properly you know, attended to. It's a public safety issue. There are many things that we need to do. There are many things that as a newer city, we don't have uh, that older cities do. Simple things is the infrastructure. You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear the rhetoric, but let's put our money where the mouth is and let's move in that right direction. Thank you. Tracy Stafford. Well, like Steve, um, when I moved here, we had 70,000 people. We now have 175,000 people. Yet, the infrastructure has not changed. If you notice, we're just larger, but we're exactly the same. We have no downtown. We have no performing arts centers. We have no full service hotels. No hospitals. There are certain things that a community should have. I mean, we're the second largest city in the region. We're the seventh largest or thirtieth largest in the state. And out of four hundred eighty-three cities, we're number thirty. But what we are is sprawl, and this is not a surprise. I mean, our our leadership is absolutely aware. It's been the plan. The plan has never changed. So I'm hoping that we can see that change. I mean, that changes by focusing on the community and not on rooftops. We focus on bringing more and more houses in. We're building more and more houses, bringing more and more people, yet we're not paying attention to the people who live here. And that's the problem. If that were actually the case, then you would see a hospital. I agree with Steve completely. I've got two asthmatic children. So imagine needing to get them all the way to Kaiser in Sacramento when my kids are gasping for air. This is an issue. And that shows you that the priority has never been, and based on our planning, not the individuals, but based on the results. You can talk the talk, but what are we living in right now? We have no hospital. That is a challenge. And that's because the priority is on building and bringing new people in, rather than focusing on the people who have invested by buying homes, by bringing their families here, by raising their kids here, who then go off to other towns that actually have those amenities that we don't have at home. So that is why I'm running, to be a voice for the people, and not just in words, but in actions. Look at where we are. That tells you what the plan has been in terms of everybody who was on that city council and has been. Okay, this question for Steve G. What is your plan to cut back on crime, and do you support increasing the number of police in Elk Grove? Why or why not? Sure. Uh, I support the increase in uh, Elk Grove uh, uh, Police Department. I've consistently uh, championed it and done before in the past. One of the wonderful things about Elk Grove is even during the recession, we continue to add law enforcement officers. The reason why it's important is <laughs> our population is growing. In order for us to address uh, you know, the needs uh, in the community, uh, particularly, we have to make sure that our law enforcement department to grow. 
Not only that, but we also have to deepen uh, the understanding of uh, other uh, you know, needs, uh, particularly POP officers. We know that we can't post a police officer in every household in Elko, right? So how do we retroactively address that? I'm a big uh, advocate of restorative justice, making sure that law enforcement officers are working with the community, the neighborhood association. That's the reason why I've been an advocate for pushing the neighborhood association and engaged in the conversation throughout the city. I think that the POP officer method which we have is wonderful. But one of the things I would love to see is a crisis response team, particularly to domestic violence. I had a conversation with this wonderful lady in the community who brought this up, and I said, oh my gosh, you're right. That's a lack of in, this, uh, in uh, law enforcement. We will continue to add law enforcement officers, but we need to be innovative. We need to be creative in making sure that our officers have the tools necessary, besides from the police cards, besides uh, the equipment that, that they need to do the job, but the resources so that they can respond to incidents of domestic violence. Hands down, we look at the stats. Domestic violence is the one issue in which get officers uh, you know, hurt. So that being the case, I continue to champion it. We added four uh, sworn officers, one non-sworn this year. We did it during the recession. We will continue to do that. The projection is it's going to go that route, and I continue to, to support that. We currently have 140 officers. That's an increase in what we had last year. So thank you. Tracy Stafford. Well, I, I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Seems like that was eight months ago. <laughs> What's your plan to cut back on crime, and do you support increasing the a number of police? Why or why not? Okay. Um, as uh, Mary mentioned, um, at least in 2015, I brought out the fact that 61% of violent crime was domestic violence related. That's something that I have to do the statistics on and actually share also with the PIO because it wasn't the focus. That is absolutely a major issue, but it's not just a police issue. That goes back, that's a social issue. And it needs to be addressed in the culture, which is what I alluded to earlier, that there isn't much focus on bringing the communities together, on having a brand and identity for Elk Grove, building community versus just sprawl. That is a community issue. I uh, personally am in support of bringing on more police officers, but there are uh, definitely caveats to that. I believe that our current police chief is uh, absolutely focused on some of the challenges that we've seen uh, here in Elk Grove and across uh, the region in terms of response. And I am optimistic that the, actually uh, the police commission that's been put together, police advocacy board with uh, community members is going to help to bring that human element into the police force. But, but I will also say, I believe that community policing is extremely important. And this is the reason that I am in favor of bringing on more police officers. Because although we have POP officers, there aren't enough police officers to actually be on the ground in their beats. If they're actually on the ground and they understand what's happening in the community, they know the neighbors, they know the troublesome houses, they know that maybe there's something going on uh, related to domestic violence in one particular home, they can help to curb those crimes. They could actually be a part of the community. And at this point, although we have, again, POP officers, there aren't enough police officers to really govern in this way. But that is how you reduce crime. That is how you connect with the police, becoming a part of the neighborhood. Okay. Darren? So we absolutely need more officers. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, 
That's why I am the public safety candidate. That's why the Police Officers Association has endorsed me. But it's not just about adding officers because you know we can't just have officers in every corner. That, that will never be enough. It's also about building strength in our communities. That's why many of the homeowners association presidents have also, are also supporting me for office. Give, having people meet each other, like the national night out that you've seen recently, having people come out and meet their neighbors, building stronger communities, that's a way where we can protect one another. In terms of domestic violence, that is the, the number one most violent crime in our city. I've sat down and had the conversations with um, the director of WEED, Women in Escaping a Violent Environment, the Chicks in Crisis Executive Director, and I've talked to them about how do we address that issue. And it's about education, teaching our children how to have our healthy relationships. That's how we're gonna address domestic violence. When we talk about crime, property crime, those kinds of things, that's where policing is gonna come into play, but that's also where community engagement, people keeping an eye on each, on each other's homes in the neighborhoods, that's how we're going to build a safer, stronger community. I do believe in adding more officers. We, we, we can use more, um, but that's also going to take time. Time to recruit. We're going to lose some to attrition. We're also going to um, take time to train them as well. I'm very proud of our Elko police officers. I'll tell you why. They're already doing what the other candidates are talking about, which is they engage to the, in, in the community now. They are part of the community. They will talk to you. If you're ever out in a festival, approach them. They want to get to know you as, as human beings. And so they're, they're integrated and woven into the fabric of our community. They're protecting us, but they're also um, members of our community. So um, thank you. This question for Tracy Stafford. This voter is noticing more and more homelessness within Elk Grove. As mayor, what policies or solutions would you bring forth and would you, as mayor, support inclusionary housing? Lots of questions. And how would you implement it in two minutes? <laughs> okay. Well, did I get that one first? All right. Um, talking about homelessness. I mean, in 2016, we had less than, let's say, 10, 12 um, homeless uh, residents that we actually could name. Now, we're finding that we're closer to 100. And we have a unique opportunity, and, and that's that we're aware of. We have a unique opportunity in Elk Grove to end homelessness before it becomes like Sacramento and other areas. We're watching it creep up, and we need to focus on it. I know that we have heart, we have a churches, we have other organizations, we have three homes in, in Elk Grove that focus on housing homeless I call them homeless residents because they are our community members. And there's often talk about homeless coming in from other areas. But I'm sure many of you have seen and heard about economic homelessness. And that's because of the rents going up. That's because it's not affordable to live, not only in Sacramento, but we're seeing it creep up here in Elk Grove. So what we need to do is really come up with a plan, a strategic plan, rather than band-aids of houses here and there and organizations um, that are not really working as a unit uh, through the city. As a city, it's our responsibility to pull together a strategic plan that will address this issue become, before it truly becomes a major problem. 
So having said that, uh, there have been many um, items or, or, or resolutions brought up in city council meetings and, and beyond in terms of having tiny home villages, um, increasing the number of um, homes and programs that are available to uh, these residents, these community members. And I would like to look at more of that into detail and what has been effective across not only Sacramento region, but in other areas, because it may make more sense to actually put together um, a housing unit that focuses on not just bringing in uh, people who are homeless, but deals with their individual issues or challenges to get them back on track, because that's truly what's needed. Darren Suen. Thank you. So I just want to take a quick second to highlight the issues that we've talked about so far, infrastructure and now homelessness. Um, and affordable housing, inclusionary housing. These are complex issues that we have to understand the mechanics of before we can work strategically. And whoever's your next mayor, if they don't have those skill sets, they don't have, they don't have the understanding of how affordable housing is built, if they don't understand how infrastructure is built and funded, it's very, going to be very difficult to move this city forward on any anything that you desire. So when it comes to affordable housing, first of all, I sit on the affordable housing committee. I've worked in, in the housing industry. Affordable housing and market rate housing are two separate things. They're two separate businesses. They don't mix. Combine them into one, it doesn't work. I've tried it in, in my professional life. We do have an affordable housing plan. What we do is we tax market rate builders. So every one of your homes that got built, somebody paid a fee to, to uh, fund affordable housing. What we then does, we take that, we loan that money out, and then those affordable housing developers it goes and gets tax credits and bond, uh, bond monies to finance the rest of their project to build affordable housing. So we actually have a project that actually is coming online very soon, another one, and uh, we'll continue down that path to ensure that we're providing a range of housing for all types. Homelessness, we've got to hit it from a multi-pronged approach. We got It's not just about people being out of their homes, but it's about people just about ready to fall through the cracks. So we need wraparound services to ensure that people can support them. You or I might get a flat tire and we call our spouse or a friend to take us to work. People that don't have those resources, they lose their job because they can't get to work. Now they now they can't pay their rent. Now they're living in their car. It, it's just a progressive approach. So we gotta have wraparound services. That's why I've been a big supporter of Elk Grove Heart that helps do, uh, do those kinds of things. Um, finally, relationships with state level and regional leaders. Our relationship with Sunland Cooper is able to get $5 million to help give us a jump start, making sure that homeless doesn't degrade. So we're gonna provide transitional housing and then provide the wraparound services, thank you. Steve Lee. Okay, thank you. So currently we have about uh, 300 uh, homeless individuals in the city of Elk Grove, and that's account by the police department that's been shared with me. Mm -hmm. I think that it really has to be a, a continuum of services. We can't expect this to be a quick fix, because it's not. We can't expect that uh, by finding somebody shelter overnight, it's gonna be able to solve it. These individuals need jobs. These individuals need a safety net that will be able to, to rescue them and continue them on the right path. We have this conversation at City Hall. Our current existing system doesn't work, right? Wonderful, we get taxed, but we gotta do more. That's the reason why I've been a champion of bringing from uh, Bloomberg Philanthropies $100,000 to address this particular issue by, uh, by connecting uh, folks that need housing with uh, landlords. We are in the run for $5 million that will come to our community. That's what I'm talking about, action, as opposed to saying we already did it, it's wonderful. I think we can do so much more. 
that's the challenge that you know I hope uh, that uh, the next mayor will be looking to. How can we do more? That being the case, I uh, I truly believe that the city of Elk Grove is a safe place. That's why people come down here. Many of the homeless individuals have connections to Elk Grove. Many of the ones want to come to a safe place where they can actually sleep in the park. Now, knowing that this uh, is the issue, what we need to do is we need to look at the different services within employment services. That's why I pushed heavily in city council on having a community workforce training agreement that will be able to allow uh, folks who are transitioning or out of a job to cross-train so that they can be in line and job ready. These are things that are uh, part of a, a, a number of resources that we can provide for the community. But it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not just about finding a, uh, a, an apartment or a bed for somebody. It's got to be across the board, dealing with the mental issues, some of the uh, you know, psychological issues that this person has uh, developed because of trauma. Uh, I know because I worked uh, in Juvenile Hall and I uh, deal with this community quite a bit. Thank you. Okay, this question first for you, Steve Lee. How will you address the diversity issues in Elk Grove? I heard actually that um, Elk Grove is the seventh most diverse city in the country. So congratulations, that's really cool. Um, so how will you address the diversity issues in Elk Grove? It's one thing to listen, but we need action. Sure, one of the most important parts is we gotta make sure that we got to make sure that our law enforcement uh, you know, agency look like the community that it patrols. There's a lack of right now. There's a lack of uh, Asian uh, officers, women officers, African-American officers. This is something that not only needs to be identified, but the effort needs to happen with the uh, police administration uh, <laughs> to make sure that they recruit heavily on this. I'm tired of hearing the excuse that, oh yeah, Asian uh, kids just don't have an interest in going to law enforcement. I call that BS. I think that what needs to happen is you need to be making it interesting for that particular population in which you're recruiting. That's number one. Number two is, you know, it, we have had these, this ad hoc committee where we've gone down, got this diversity report, wonderful, what's the next step? Uh, that is the key part. It's not just listening. It's not just having a committee, a town hall meeting, and feeling sufficient with it. It's about the plan of action. How, uh, I, what I believe, is what we need to make a genuine effort from the city standpoint to hire a full-time diversity coordinator. Somebody who can actually train staff, not only that, but work with the different departments to recruit people. We need to have uh, higher tier management in uh, the uh, city hall that are uh, providing mentor opportunities for um, you know, uh, minorities that don't necessarily you know, follow that pathway. There are a number of things that need to be done. And of course, we have to embrace the diversity that we have in Elko completely. In the school district, we have 80 different languages that are spoken. You know, in the city, uh, we have 60 different languages. You know, why aren't uh, these survey monkeys that go out uh, in different languages? Why don't we have town hall meetings with interpreters? I've raised this issue again and again, but the city council, quite disappointingly, they don't believe in that. Uh, they don't want to engage in those people who speak a different language. Guess what? This refugee came as a four-year-old and didn't speak a word of English, and he learned English, and he became a prominent voter. Many of you are, uh, have your own story and are consistent along that line, those lines. But most importantly, we have to engage the community that has been disenfranchised and has been disconnected. And that's the, the efforts that I'll be pushing for. Tracy Stafford. Well, uh, I want to start by saying that uh, there's nothing new about what's been going on in Elk Grove in terms 
of our challenges with diversity. And I think there's a fine line between being a diverse uh, city, which means that you just have a group of, of a beautifully um, wide range of ethnicities that live here. But if they're not brought together culturally and truly connect, then you have issues. And that's what we're seeing at Elk Grove. That's, again, that's not new. I was involved, or I'm a part of the ad hoc uh, committee that's focused on diversity here in Elk Grove. And there was an internal audit that was completed. And we asked for an external audit, which actually just came back. And uh, that audit came back stating that there was no bias in Elk Grove yet. See, even you can't even hold it in. Um, that there's no bias in Elk Grove, even though we have made national news no less than three times in the last eight months with hate crime. And again, that's not new. There's nothing new. I went to every single city hall or town hall that was given on this. I listened to every single person who had something to say. And none of these were isolated incidents. They were all systemic issues that we saw across different people sharing their stories. And until our city believes there's a real problem and has the courage to stand up and deal with it, we're not gonna see any change. And that's just, that's just the truth. I sat in a meeting eight, until eight o'clock with um, the city manager, assistant city manager, and other leaders talking about the diversity audit. And what they want to do is assign this role to deal with the issue uh, to the, the assistant um, city manager, as well as having a group of employees decide where we move forward. I, I am a cultural competency educator, and I will tell you that we need an expert in that role. Not only do we need an expert in the role, we need um, a, a department, as was mentioned, to really focus on equity and inclusion. Two months ago, we had National Redneck Day on our website. It's unacceptable. Garrett Sewan. So the diversity audit that was done by an external professional, not, and I was not on that committee, but the results that came back to us showed that statistically there was no significant bias in hiring practices, hiring practices, not bias within the community. We all have bias. I've gone through a, a leadership program. I've been trained in implicit bias. Myself, council members Wynn, Hume, and Detrick led three community forums to introduce implicit bias to the public in Elk Grove. First time it's been done in our city. So you heard about implicit bias training in the police departments and law enforcement. We introduced it to the community. Furthermore, I pressed upon our multicultural community, who have at this, up until this point had been criticized by some folks in the public about only putting on the festival. But I went to the committee and I pressed upon them. They need to learn this too. They need to help us be ambassadors of the community and they continue to reach out. So what I'm saying is we can always do better. I don't believe that our Elk Grove, we're diverse, that we're all uh, racist. I don't, but I don't believe we're, I don't have a rosy uh, colored glasses in the sense that we're perfect either. So what we need to do is focus on continuous improvement. And that starts with education. It starts with introducing folks to bias. We all have it, and it's okay. It's just how we've been raised. But we need to invest in our diversity to make it stronger. It's not good enough to just be the most, you know, one of the most diverse cities in the, in the nation. 
we have to invest in it in the sense that introducing folks to integrate and talk about their differences without judgment. This is what uh, the work that I've been doing behind the scenes and I will continue to do to reinforce the need for us to be culturally acceptance, accepting one another. Thank you. Okay, a question for you, Darren. What do you think about district seats and would this help uh, create more representation for voters in Elk Grove? So, um, I am a, a, a believer in the California uh, Voters' right, Rights Act, um, but I will say that we have to have a community conversation about it, how we govern our city. There's no perfect way to, to govern. The, the way that we have right now, it, it creates a better sense of team environment when you're, when you're worried about, when you're forced to worry about everybody at, at large. And you have a say, the public has a say in three. It takes three, of a five-member council, it takes three to make policy. Every two years, the city of Elk Grove has the, um, they are able to vote for three, the mayor and two council members. If you change to by district, you will vote for the mayor and your council member. So people need to understand what that what that means. And, and this it's not, again, it's something that I think we need to talk about as a community if we're going to go to, to by district. The current census that they would go off of is data from 2010. And as was highlighted earlier, we've grown a lot since then. So the next census is in 2020. So we definitely, it's, it's worth the conversation, uh, but people need to understand there's pros and cons to, to both uh, systems. And I look forward to having that conversation with you folks. Thank you. Steve. So our current system is by district, but elected at large. The way you have it set up really is you have a council member that can actually lose his or her council district seat or that district and win at large. And that means that they sit on the council. I think that this government is really for the people, five, uh, for the people, by the people. We live in a representative government. It makes logical sense to make sure that we have elections by district. It doesn't make sense to me that uh, whenever we have an appointment opportunity, we'd rather say, oh, let's go for an appointment uh, because it costs too much to have an election. If I lose in this election, what you will have is the majority of the council be appointees at one point. So, I mean, it's, it really is, is a travesty. Um, one person, one vote is what I believe in. You, yes, you want somebody to be responsive at a city level uh, at large. Yeah, the mayor. You'll have an opportunity to weigh in the mayor. But it doesn't make sense for one person to vote uh, four different times in the city of Elk Grove. It would save on special elections uh, as opposed to $500,000 for any sort of special elections because things can happen. Council members may move on. They may move across the country. Something may happen to them. A train may hit them. You know, who knows? But the idea here is to provide the opportunity because our city is going in that direction. Sooner or later, we're going to have it. And it's better to do it now. We can do it by ordinance. We can do it by ordinance, by the city council. But the opposing argument is that if we go in that direction, uh, then they'll make them vulnerable. I truly believe that this seat is for the people, by the people. If the people choose for me to be there, I'd be happy to continue. If the people say, hey, it's time for you to leave, that's fine as well. It's not nobody. Nobody owns the seat. Um, the quickest way to stop the, the pending lawsuit that you've heard about, the quickest way to stop that is to go by district. Uh, we've seen that uh, lawsuits, uh, the various lawsuits that similar to that prevail in different cities. Um, there are threatening and looming lawsuits that may cost, to mil uh, cost up to millions of dollars. I think it's our obligation as prudent, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, 
guardians of uh, the public's uh, tax dollars uh, to make sure that we address this appropriately. And the best way to do it is to go by district. Tracy Stafford. I am also in favor of by district elections and for the same reasons previously mentioned. But uh, one area that we that was left out of discussion is big money in politics. At the by district level, a candidate can campaign only in their district, meaning that they might only, instead of needing to get to 90,000 voters, they will only need to get to 10,000 voters, you know, whatever that looks like. And that makes it a little bit more equitable for folks that are trying to be elected in their communities, by their communities, and actually run for their communities. And so I don't know how many are Elgar residents here, but when's the last time you had a town hall just for your district. That's what happens when you have by-district elections. Your legislator, your uh, city council member is elected by you, therefore they have to know what's going on in your district. They have to come out and have town hall meetings with you because you're electing them. That's why you haven't seen them. Because what happens at the, at the level that we're, we're voting for now, the at-large system, it's really about who has the most money to be able to reach the most people to get elected. So being good at campaigning, being good at raising money, being effective at getting endorsements doesn't make you the best candidate. By district voting, you're the best candidate. You're absolutely the best candidate for that community because you've been elected by the community specifically. Okay, um, this question uh, on that note for Steve Lee. Local campaigns are out of reach for most to run a campaign unless the candidate is, a de is developer funded. Would you support a, a campaign finance ordinance for Elk Grove? Absolutely. It's gotten out of hand, to be honest with you. And I know best because I reach out to the community and I engage with those people who have been disenfranchised and disconnected. Uh, my uh, majority of my uh, contributions are on average twenty dollars uh, to hundred dollars. Right? I don't get these huge, uh, you know, checks that comes from developers. And I think that it's uh, we're a city that it's in a position that we should really be exploring that. You know, I would like to challenge the uh, folks that are in public office, and not only just at the city level, but at the school board, and also at the CSD. We really should have limits. Because that forces the candidate to actually engage in the community, to walk the precinct, to talk to the people, and uh, to convince them to vote or support you financially. But uh, you know, uh, that's, I think that's real key. So I would support that. Tracy Stafford. Well, I would also support that. And I recommend that each person in this room go to the city website and look at the FPPC reporting to see where the money has come from for every candidate that you're hearing today, for all three of us. I like to say that I am unbought, meaning that all of my funds have come from individual contributors. That means those dollars are much lower, and it makes it more difficult not taking developer money or corporate money because you are funded by the people. And it's, a hard, it, it, it's challenging, it's absolutely challenging. But at the end of the day, who you've taken money from is who you're beholden to. And that's, I want to be beholden to people. That's why I'm running. I have no other reason to do this other than for the community. And 
for too long, the community has been run by who gave the most money. And what are we saying? We talk about, like the whole crisis started with developer money. And isn't that an interesting correlation between the fact that we have more and more houses coming into town and more and more money that's coming into our leadership because of, by, by developers. And I spoke to all the developers, all of them. I called every single one of them because I wanted them to know that I was running. And none of them live in Elk Grove, not one. And one who did live in Elk Grove, who said that he was very much in support of the current leadership. He lived in Elk Grove. I said, oh, well, why'd you move? He said, it got too congested. And I, I laughed too. I said, did you just hear yourself? He said, well, that's personal. That's personal. I said, well, this is personal for the 175,000 people who have chosen to live in Elk Grove. That's a problem. It's a problem. So absolutely, I believe that we need reform. I think we need um, contribution limits. Like That's the first people say, if you don't have contribution limits, it's kind of unheard of. We have several changes to be made. But that, go online, look at where the money comes from. Darren Suen. Thank you. Well, it's interesting to hear people say they reached out to Developers. Everybody, every candidate running for office has reached out to people doing business in the community or residents or anybody who has vested interest in the community. I do, I do encourage you to, my, my records are, are, are open as well. Um, any individuals that have supported me live in the area. People with local addresses. So uh, I think that's important to know too. People who have vested interests here in our city. Campaign reform, we definitely should talk about it. Um, this is politics, and I'll tell you the little insider uh, trade secret about politics. They have different ways. They, they, you've talked about, you've heard of dark money and all these kinds of things. City of, uh, or County of Sacramento has, has limits. A lot of times they use independent expenditures, and you don't see where the money's coming from until much later. If you do what, uh, what is talked about, that's the risk. Right now, you can see everybody, what, what finances are, are coming from right up front. It takes a little bit harder to do that when people contribute to uh, these political action committees and things like that. So absolutely, I've heard conversations about campaign reform. I don't like raising money for this business either. I actually enjoy just talking to residents, but it does take money to reach uh, people across the city. And I enjoy going across the city of Elk Grove in the Shelton community, Camden community, East Elk Grove, West Elk Grove, um, down in the Franklin area. It's our job to go out and do uh, outreach to all the, all the community. So money or not, I think, you know, we need it. The, the important part, part is talking to, to the voters. And so campaign reform is definitely a conversation we need to have. But again, folks need to know that it isn't just mean restricting the limits and then you're gonna you're gonna um, avoid everything that you've read, the problems that you're talking about. Thank you. Most of you know the League of Women Voters has been um, interested in the issue for many, many years of uh, money and politics. And so uh, should the city of Elk Grove ever want a campaign finance ordinance, we would be happy to help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's 
me ask you if you can to be as succinct as possible, and if you can do this in less than two minutes with your answers, that would help us get through all these really good questions. And to make sure that we do get to all of them, there's there's two that I'm going to put together here, and so you may need your whole two minutes for this one, though. It's about it's about development in the casino. Okay, so let's see. This one, uh, we begin with Tracy Stout. Elk Grove is a, uh, East Elk Grove is a neglected area for retail and dining options. Part of this is the Dead Mall. What can you do to bring quality dining, retail, and concert theater space to East Elk Grove? But along with that, could you answer this question? What are your feelings regarding the up-and-coming casino? And has your position changed on that for all of you? Okay, so um, I'm going to start with the dining and the amenities, which I mentioned uh, earlier in my introduction. That was one of the reasons I, I uh, decided to run, because I, I really believe that our leadership is, is not focusing on the community. And what I will say about that, that just, it just basically confirms what I said earlier in the question, and that is the reason we don't have these amenities is because the focus is not there. And the focus, one of the major challenges that we have is that Elk Grove has a reputation for not playing nicely regionally. It's its own island, and it's designed that way from our bus system to light rail ending, boop, right there at the Elk Grove city line. Our leadership decides what we do and what we don't do, who we work with, who we don't work with. And as Elk Grove, we do not have a brand. We, no one knows who we are. If you go out and you ask, most folks will say, oh, it's this really rural area with about eight people in it. Then others will say it's the Bay Area town with all these high-tech folks in it. No one really knows who we are, and it's because we haven't branded ourselves as a city. And if you don't have a brand, you don't have an economic development uh, really plan that shows that you're solvent, that your community's thriving, it's very difficult to bring anything but strip malls, uh, fast food in. So, we have some major issues with our branding, with our infrastructure, in order to sell. And I had a discussion with one of our senators who basically said that um, Elk Grove residents don't shop at malls. And, and I said, well, have you ever thought about the fact that it's your sales pitch? And he said, yeah, I had to think about that because it's always about sports. So, in terms of the casino, um, I believe that this is not the place for the casino. It, it's coming, it, it's on its way, it's another lawsuit is happening. However, when this casino does come in, we need strong leadership that's focused on the people to make sure that we are not suffering in terms of our quality of life. Look where we are right now. What will happen without strong leadership focused on the people when a casino opens here, just blocks away from homes? Darren Sewant? Paul, could you repeat the question for me? Sure, so yes. Both, there's, two there's basically two issues here. One is the neglected uh, East Elk Grove area. What will you do to bring quality dining, retail, and concert theater space to East Elk Grove? And the other is about the casino. So the casino, uh, we didn't, the city itself, the only role it had was the memorandum of understanding, um, which would offset uh, um, sales tax revenue and property tax revenue that was part of the mall. 
The hope was that the casino, which was approved by the federal government and the state government, was that this would serve as a, as a catalyst or uh, something that would sustain uh, the mall. Um, so the entertainment venue, the other question was talking about entertainment venues. This, it keeps, people keep referring to it as a casino, but I want to focus on the 40,000 square foot convention center, the venues that it would provide, the concerts, from Paul McCartney to the Smashing Pumpkins. I want to focus on the six restaurant pads on there that would bring the restaurant dining experiences that, that folks so, so desire. I, I, uh, the Sheldon Inn, if you haven't been over there, it's on the east side of town. So those of you who, don't, who live on the west side, I encourage you to venture on the east side. Sheldon Inn is a great restaurant. That owner, when he heard that the casino was approved, uh, Jeffrey said, hey, I want to, he's asking me, hey, I want, can you set up a meeting with the, the casino owners? I want to go in that place. Having, the, which leads me to my next point, having the regional trust leadership and the business community being able to, is, is what it will take to bring folks into town. As government, we can only set the table, and we've done a good job in doing that through our permitting process, um, making sure we have efficient and, and tra transparent processes. But having that regional trust, being able to talk to people and have them come into town, that plays big. That's why the Sacramento Metro Chamber of Commerce has endorsed me. That's why I've been out talking to all the restaurateurs, Randall Sellens, Chris Yaros, who opened Broderick's House, um, Tarl Mukumi, all these folks, talking to them about coming down to Elk Grove. And they're looking to come down. They want to come down here. They just need, they want a sense of place. So that's where I, I went next, talking to our planning director about, we need to start creating senses of place because they don't want to be in strip malls. They want to find these, these unique areas to be in. And so that's where the leadership comes into play, having the relationships, having the knowledge of how to move these things forward. Thank you. Steve Lee. Thank you. Uh, most important thing here is the east side of Elk Grove have been neglected. One of the things that needs to happen is we need to be having long-term plans on how to actually bring things to east of Grove. We say that over and over time. Again, I've heard many residents talk about that, but it's gone uh, to uh, folks that uh, really is not responsive uh, to the east side. So that remains a priority. Things that we can do is really look at the, uh, the, the grand plans of things and try to you know, put things in places that, that would be able to be uh, a go-to center, either a shopping center, an entertainment center, a community center, uh, which is needed in the center of Elk Grove. In regards to the, uh, the casino, um, I moved into Elk Grove uh, uh, not because there was a casino coming here. Uh, a casino and the gambling lifestyle is not one that many Elk Groveans uh, support. That I know. One of the struggles that I had was whether I was going to go in that direction and vote what I personally believe in, or be the mayor and actually support the casino because of jobs. When it came down to it and we studied it, we consulted with our city attorney, uh, there were things that were out of our control. There were things in which uh, was referenced to the Red Hawk situation where the community didn't want but at the, at the 11th hour, they had no choice but to actually bring in. So for me, as uh, a, a guardian of the public's money and the public's interest, my obligation was to make sure that I acted in that capacity. Yes, I voted for the M uh, MOU uh, to take the $132 million to our community. But more importantly, um, you know, yeah, I don't support gambling. You know, I don't gamble. Um, and uh, that being the case, I stand on that firm, uh, that, that firm position. Uh, but nonetheless, it is coming. We have one pending appeal uh, in, uh, in D.C., uh, but uh, the compacts have been issued. Uh, the, uh, the land has, came to, uh, has come into trust uh, of the tribe already. Uh, so uh, my hope is uh, uh, this casino, as Howard Hughes has been pushing it, would be a catalyst to bring Howard Hughes to the mall. 
Um, that still is a big question for me at this point. Okay, um, timer? Okay. Did we have to go to one minute instead of two? want to make sure we get these questions in. So, Darren Sarah. As mayor, how will you address traffic congestion? I'm going to add here several questions on this. Uh, is the city using smart lights, which is timing signal lights in the city? And, um, there. I'm going to cut you to one minute. Uh, but these, are, these should be quick. Uh, are expectations being met or not with E-Tran? So, dealing with traffic congestion. Are we using smart lights in L Grove and uh, is E-Tran meeting its expectations? So the quickest answer, smart lights, ITS, intelligent transportation systems. Yes, we are. We just completed our fourth phase. There is a, a noticeable difference in the sinking of those, those intersections now. We, we could do a little bit better if we go to fiber optics, but uh, we just need to invest in that. That's gonna cost a lot of money, so we need to be able to fund that. And that's, what that that's what I talked about in my opening statement. Um, traffic, I have a plan for that. We need to have options, bottom line. We need to have, not just to have light rail extended into the city, we need to also take a, a traffic off of Velcro Boulevard through Wylock Interchange. We need to have an express bus system within the city. Um, bike share, other modes, and then the job center to give people a chance to work and live nearby. E-Tran uh, is, is okay for now. I just think that uh, we, we did a comprehensive operational analysis that just made it more efficient. But again, we gotta invest in mobility. It's not, not necessarily just any one particular mode of transportation. It's what are we trying to accomplish? Getting people around the city easier. And that could be in the form of autonomous transit or uh, um, via which, which or what Car, uh, Carmichael is doing, which is uh, using our app to get uh, transit around town. Thank you. Steve Lee. So the quick, quick answer is yes, uh, we're moving in that direction. Not only that, but we now have a move to the traffic monitoring center into City Hall, which we have the city employee that monitors the 148 lights within the city and will manually uh, uh, you know, turn it green and, and what have you to to alleviate the traffic congestion in the city of Elk Grove. What's more important is some of the roundabouts that you've seen coming to the city of Elk Grove. Those are mitigating, uh, the traffic <coughs> mitigating efforts in which we're putting forward. We have many that's in the plans. Uh, we have already two roundabouts. We have a camera road expansion, the white lock uh, interchange that we can't seem to find the money for. But these things that come forward will be able to mitigate and alleviate some of the traffic congestion in Elk Grove. Yes, I have a plan. The plan here is to provide the money so that our engineers in the city can do a very good job. If I didn't have confidence in them, I, they wouldn't be working there. I have confidence in them, and I'm not going to be a micromanager that's going to determine what quality of asphalt that needs to go on the road. The most important part is I find the money. If it needs to be, then I set the policy. Tracy Stafford? And I will say, well, that's one of our challenges um, that uh, Mayor Lee alluded to is that when you are on the city council, you are a leader. Your job is to lead and to work with the community to identify what the community's needs are. And we need to allow our staff to do their jobs and not assume that we know more than they do about their 
career choice in the, the areas they've been focused on. So I believe that we need to focus with, on the engineers, but I think it's important to remember that our traffic, oh, 30 seconds, our traffic is the way it is by design. And when the general plan was created in 2003, an environmental study was done that said that even back then, our infrastructure could not support the plan. We have known that since almost the inception of the city. And, and until now, nothing has been done. Nothing has been done to remediate this issue. And it will continue to get worse. We were, we're expecting to have 200 plus thousand people in, in the next few years move into Elk Grove. The only way that we're gonna deal with, with this issue, again, is by having our city council deal with the experts in these arenas and diversify our transportation in the city. Steve Lee, just a quick one on this same note of um, transportation. Elk Grove is $10 million in arrears, says this voter in road <coughs> What are your specific ideas to solve that deficit? Well, I want to say and, and pride myself on the fact that Elk Grove has had a balanced budget, uh, you know, since I've been on the council. Not only that, but we have a $24 million uh, rainy day fund that's in place. So if there is a crisis, if there is a uh, road fund deficiency, we can appropriately address it. But uh, the way the, the money is managed is, again, I empower uh, my staff uh, at City Hall to make sure that they make the best decisions possible in supporting that. So that being the case, uh, we have the, the backup money uh, in the event that there are some shortages or some, uh, you know, hit another recession. Uh, these things are, are, are put in place uh, so that in an event of, uh, of a crisis, we can address it properly. So, um, you know, to, to quickly answer it, we have the money to address it, but where we're at right now is we have to have a reserve to be able to maintain that. And, you know, I trust the staff and, and the development and movement in that direction, and that when we borrow from funds, we pay the funds back. Tracy Stafford. Well, if the funds are available, then I believe that we should fix the roads. Uh, that is the, the challenge, that was the, the question. And uh, we, again, while we're talking about expanding roads that are primarily focused on, again, new residents, those residents that live in the city. I, I live in the east side of Elk Grove. It took me 30 minutes to get here on Saturday. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And I believe it is a priority. Now, going back to the reserve, I don't believe that we have a rainy day fund. I know that it is considered a reserve. And if you look at our operating budget compared to this rainy day fund, we don't have enough in reserve to really deal with the next recession. We don't have enough in reserve to deal with the challenges that we are facing now. And that is the responsibility of our city council to lead, to allow staff to bring recommendations, the city council to be that connection between the community and the staff and bringing it all together to do what's best for the city. Darren Suen. You know, too many politicians have gone through the ranks relying on staff to blame other people for their issues. They never understood the issue to begin with. So how are they supposed to expect, or how did we expect them to actually solve any issue? They don't understand the mechanics of it. How are they supposed to lead? Leadership is also knowing what, what goes into it. You can't be a coach, you only understand the game. So you need to understand the rules of the game, you need to understand how things work. If you want to invoke football, you need to understand what the offense does and, and defense does before you figure out how to play that. So in terms of road maintenance, you know, we have uh, community facilities districts that, that talk about that just road maintenance. We have an $8 million shortfall each year at this time. SB1 will address half of that. 
We still have remaining funds that are about four million we need to work on to find revenue for. And we'll have to have a conversation about that. Those are headwinds down the road. And you're gonna want leadership who understands how this stuff works and has a regional trust of other leaders throughout the, re the region and at the state and federal level in order to get that done. Thank you. Okay, uh, we have two more questions. And then we'll go to closing remarks. So we begin this one with uh, Darren. Uh, does Elk Grove uh, need rent control? And if so, do you have a plan? We don't need rent control at this time. It hasn't worked in San Francisco. If any of you have been to San Francisco lately, rent control isn't working. We have about almost three quarters of our residents are homeowners here. So. Um, not to say that there are pressures. Our, 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 uh, our solution, though, is to provide a range of housing, right? So we need to have not just the 3,000, 4,000 square foot homes here, but we need to have the entry-level product for people to get into. We need to continue to provide affordable housing. That, that will allow people to, to rent. Um, and we need to um, continue to educate our workforce to ensure that they have income so they can afford to buy the rent and eventually, eventually uh, buy a home. Um, <laughs> was, that the, was that the all your yeah, second part? Okay, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Steve Lee. The crisis that we have in Elk Grove, we have beautiful homes, right? But we have many people who actually build these beautiful homes who can't afford to live in Elk Grove. Many of us are not independently wealthy. Many of us are living from paycheck to paycheck. The real issue here is to develop affordable housing. How do we accomplish that? Um, by federal uh, law, we have to make sure that we set aside homes that uh, have choices uh, choices for the community that's moving in. That's the problem that we have faced in Elk Grove. We haven't gotten to that point where we can sufficiently provide for our community. I, my dream is to be able to see the people who actually build these uh, beautiful homes in Elk Grove be able to live here. And that's part of the reasons why I'm a champion of the Bloomberg uh, you know, grant, of, uh, the city of Elk Grove being up for that $5 million. Uh, that's why I'm a champion of affordable housing, to make sure that we have choices, not only second or third homes for people who are buying, but also entry-level homes. You know, developing a home buyers program, uh, working with new uh, buyers or first-time buyers so that they can actually build some sweat equity uh, you know, prior to uh, actually uh, purchasing the home. Do you Thank think you. Elk Grove needs rent control? The, the rent control is a serious question. You know, uh, I have to say, let's look at uh, you know some of the other communities and see what it's doing. But uh, sure, I would be uh, willing to explore that possibility. Tracy Stafford. Well, I'm not afraid to say that I believe that Elk Grove needs rent control. And the reason I say that, and, and again, keep in mind, this is a multifaceted solution. Rent control on its own is not going to solve the problem. So I just want to make sure that I say that. But when I'm out here talking to 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds, our millennials, who can't afford to live in the town that they grew up in because it's too expensive. And again, I'm going to go back to what I said originally. You know, where is the money coming from? Where is the focus? The focus is building $400,000 homes for new residents. Where are our children? And again, three of mine are gone and are not moving back because there's nothing here for them where they're going to live if we do not build housing that they can afford. Because they're not living with me, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Candace. Okay, this is the final question, and I'm sorry we could not get to all of your questions. Um, 
We will have time afterwards. The candidates will hang out for a while, and we can ask them if if uh, if I didn't get to your question. Um, we begin this one with Steve Lee. What are your plans for expanding youth engagement in Elk Grove? Wonderful. Since I've uh, you know I'm a big advocate of that. Not only that, but I work for the County Office of Education, and I work in juvenile hall to engage young people. One of the biggest problems with young people is the quickest one and way to stop a crime really is a job. Uh, that I've heard over and over again. Since I've been on the city council, what I've done is I've engaged the foster youth uh, you know, program in a mentor-mentee uh, relationship. Uh, we bring them into city hall on an annual basis. And quite, uh, quite coincidentally, uh, that was right at the same time in which uh, summer city hall came. And I've been a champion of that. Every year I go to City Hall and I talk to about 30 individuals, uh, young people, uh, that uh, want to go this pathway. This partnership that we have created at City Hall not only includes City Hall, but also uh, SETA, uh, also uh, various government agencies, including the school district, uh, where we can actually provide for young people. Once the young people sees uh, the benefits of actually being uh, you know, at City Hall or being these government institutions, what they can actually provide in terms of policy and guidance and volunteering, that's when they will uh, you know, engage a little bit more. Tracy Stafford. Okay, um, my children are 30, 21, what was that other one? 19, my husband's 19, and my youngest is 16. I have lived this challenge with children in Elk Grove. And what I will say is these kids have no place to hang out. They have nothing to do. What you see are, are events that occur once a year. That kids don't want that, nor, and, and we have a phenomenal team center with a phenomenal leader. Kids don't want that. They want their place, a place where they can hang out and mind their business without programming. And these kids also need jobs. But as some of you probably know, the jobs metric was removed from the city plan. It's not even a focus anymore. That's a challenge, that our jobs are minimum wage positions that you would think were entry-level jobs for these kids. But these kids are working hard in other places because our adults are underemployed, because we don't have mid to high level wage jobs here, because again, we're not focusing on the community. Darren Seward. Well, I absolutely am focused on the community. And we do need to give provide our youth the job, pathways to careers. I've worked with Councilmember Wynn. Last, last year, we provided uh, monies to, to have employers hire interns. So kids go to work, they're paid for through our non nonprofit that we've set up, and then employers get this a chance of having uh, people, kids work for them for a period of time. We want to expand that program, and we'll continue to do that. I'm working with Sacramento Com Area Conservation Corps to also provide uh, youth programs to, for at-risk youth to give them a chance to learn about the construction trades and, and trade, then enter into the workforce uh, through the uh, laborers, local laborers union. Um, investing in our youth is, is important, but also education, providing educational opportunities here in our, our, our city. That's why I'm also advocating for a four-year university to come to the city of Elk Grove so that we can keep the bright minds here in our city so they don't leave town and can go somewhere else and get them involved in our community as well while they're here. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for closing remarks, and we'll begin with Steve Lee. <laughs> Excellent. I want to thank you again for coming out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is real simple. If you like the way Elk Grove is going, you know, vote for me. If you don't, then vote for the outsider, right? And that will be Tracy. 
but most importantly here is that I chose GoPro. Seriously, I chose GoPro because I love GoPro. I saw an opportunity uh, to come to a city in which I can raise my family. Some of the issues that I think is important to go on record is, again, I'm in support of a friendship program for, for, the, uh, for the young people. Uh, I continue to be the only member uh, in, in city council uh, that continues to have an internship for young people to come in and get involved. In terms of E-Tran, we have to make sure we have a regional plan. E-Tran working alone and on an island doesn't make any sense. We need to have a regional plan where I can actually get on light rail here and get to the airport. Uh, things that are in the works. In terms of uh, the uh, reserve, the rainy day reserve is 32% of our uh, general budget. 32%. That's more than the policy which we put in place, which is 20% of the general budget. By district election, look, we have to solve the whole issue of uh, candidates campaigning in only high voter turnout area. And the only way is to by district. Tracy Stafford. Okay, so speaking for the outsiders, an outsider in this room. You know, this this is what I'm talking about. This is exactly the challenge. Is that we have a group of folks who are in office who are deciding what happens for all of us, and they have it locked down. They have the endorsements. They have the money. But you're watching what's happening across the nation. That people are tired of that. And we need someone in office who is focused on the community and not the big dollars or their endorsers or even their partners who they're running with, who now are a team. And they have to work together with whatever legislation or whatever policy they're going to work in the future. You know, this is the problem with politics. It's not about even your values anymore. It's not about that. It's about who's paying, who's in alignment with who, and we need to get it back to us. I'm a leader, I've been a community leader, worked my way up again from data operator to senior management in high tech, started my own business, became an entrepreneur, became a governor appointee, ran the city of Sacramento small business board. I have traveled the world as a third generation domestic survivor, so no one knows more about that than me. No one knows more about living in poverty, and most indefinitely, the people. So I ask you to think outside of the box. Vote for the outsider because we're the ones that are making the difference across the nation. Thank you. Okay, now. Uh, Can I go? <laughs> <laughs> I just the forgotten one. Maybe I'll just the no, forgotten one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of complex issues, right? We're a big city. We have a lot of complex issue, issues. Times are good right now. Recessions will come. And you're going to want leadership that understands the mechanics again and has the regional trust. You can, it's hard for you to get to know us in, in two-minute answers. So I encourage you, ask any, just about any Elk Grove leader, whether it's elected. That's why the rest of the city council is supporting me for our, our man. The planning commission... The, uh, any of the Elkhorn leaders in the education field, park district, community leaders, I invite you. Have a talk with them. I continue to talk with us, but talk with them. Talk with people that you trust to know that I have the passion, I have the skill sets, and the education, and I'm the best qualified candidate to lead this city going forward. I really appreciate your support, and I look forward to meeting you on the campaign trail. Thank you very much. Thank you.